Well, we see one another today at the Lufkin location, but we also are joined in through our broadcast to our newest addition to our Timber Creek family, the Groves location in Groves, Texas. Also, Iglesia Duncan, Dieball Correctional Center, Duncan Unit, online campus, Nacogdoches campus. Come on, church family. Let's welcome each other to church this morning. Uh, Now, today, if you were with us last week, I preached three sermons in one Sunday, and today I'm only going to give you two. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to try and give you as much time back today as, as possible. Today is Palm Sunday, and this is a very special day. It is marking a few days as Jesus enters into Jerusalem knowing what God has called him, his Father has called him to do. He is setting everything in motion, has been setting everything in motion since the beginning uh, of the earth being formed. But now we're coming to the final days before the ultimate sacrifice for your sin and mine. And Palm Sunday is one of those special days, not only just in the calendar, but a critical day in the life of Jesus and his disciples as they prepare the way of the coming king. I want to draw your attention to the story of what happens on Palm Sunday. It is in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And whenever there is a story that is in all four of them, we get different uh, camera views, so to speak. We get different uh, bird's eye view of what's going on. But there's just something very special about the story of what happens on Palm Sunday. I want to read it to you. We're going to pray. We're going to jump in. Get your study notes ready. And we are are going to go all in, all at once. Let's go to the scripture, Luke chapter 19. Scripture says, after Jesus had said this, he had talked about the, uh, the gifts of the, the, the bags of gold, the two bags of gold, the, the one bag of gold, the five bag of gold. He had talked about the importance of, of serving the master. Well, after he said all that, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethphage and Bethany, Bethphage is like a a suburb of the city of Bethany. At the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead, saying to them. Now he sends these two ahead, and here's what he says. Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you're going to find a colt, and in the other gospels we hear donkey. You'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Brand new, I mean the warranty uh, sign is still on the glass of the colt. No one has ever ridden it, untie it, bring it here, and look, if anyone asks you why you're untying it, just say, the Lord has need of it. Just say, the Lord has need of it. When my son was very young, uh, and and, and even now at 14, every once in a while he'll do it, but uh, he had this incredible habit of every time he wanted something, he would just say, I want it. I want it. I want it. We were traveling from Texas to Kansas for a Thanksgiving, and he was asking for stuff and asking for stuff. And, and, and Janet uh, uh, said, finally, she goes, hey, stop. Say- I don't want to hear you say I want it again. And about 45 seconds later, we hear, I want it. <laughs> like It was just in his DNA to want it. And it's here that Jesus needs something. He wants something from someone. Now, those who were sent ahead and found it just as he had told them, like when Jesus says, this is what it's going to be, you can trust him. 
When he says, hey, go find it this way, turn, turn left, take two rights, go to that cul-de-sac and there's gonna be that donkey, he, he tells the truth. They found it just as he had said and as they were untying the colt, its owners asked him, <clears throat> excuse me, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord has need of it. Everybody say it out loud. The Lord has need of it. That's right. So they brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt. And they put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. The whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And they began to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Right where you are, wherever you're joining us, would you just close your eyes and let's have a prayer together. Father, what might you have need of? We're so quick to give you our needs and you're quick to respond in your right time. But what do you need? What are you asking? What's your invitation? We invite you to do this and do that and make straight this and stop that and heal this and heal that and, and, and forgive this and forgive that. But God, what do you ask today? I know, Jesus, that you ask us, how are you doing? <laughs> Have we ever asked you, how are you doing, Lord? Is there anything that you need from me? Open our hearts and our ears, our eyes. Open up any kind of closed areas today that we may serve you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. Well, this is All In Anniversary, and the All In Anniversary, a year ago, we talked about going all in uh, for the kingdom of God with God's vision and as I've said almost every time I've talked about this, that there are those, do you know that since last year we have grown, this is cool, you ought to like give it up for the Lord on this, that we have grown over 540 people in average attendance since last year, since All In. That's crazy. That's just, that's just nuts. Just God keeps on just, just expanding. We keep casting nets. God keeps bringing people in. And, and when, you, when it comes to all in, there are some of us that, you know, you're kind of, sort of in. Uh, you maybe, maybe you want to be in, but you don't know what in even means. It could be that you are just visiting and kind of just like wondering what all in is all about. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. And, and honestly, whenever we talk about giving, sometimes people are complaining and, and it just kind of, that is what it is. Or how much you talk about money? Well, I want you to know we talk about giving all the time. You do not understand the gospel. You will not understand God and you will not understand Jesus. Jesus without the word give. For God so loved the world, he gave. Giving is integral to the gospel. Giving of our time, our talent, our treasures. But what we want to do is turn it into a money talk and we can complain about when the church begins to talk about money. Why? Because there's been times where the church has abused that, times where the preachers have abused that. And, 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 and just because that has been abused in the past doesn't mean it's still not an integral, incredible part of the Christian faith. Cows moo, dogs bark, cats who cares. Christians, Christians like give. It's part of their language. 
We are to be givers. And if we ever complain about that, just like I saw last night driving home from Dallas late at night to get here uh, this early, early, early this, this morning as I was driving, I noticed that my check engine light came on in, in, in my Tahoe. And, and here's what that check engine light made me do. Hmm. I listened close. I pushed on the gas a little bit. I heard a little bit of a different sound than I've heard. I want to make sure that I investigate this by getting the right people around this vehicle to make sure that that's not just a, a thing, you know, but it's like, what, what might, this, I don't want to get stranded. I don't want to get lost. I don't want to get uh, stuck somewhere. That check engine light causes me to slow down a little bit and just kind of think things through and use that indicator on my dashboard to say, huh, I better not just keep going life as usual. I better not ignore this. And sometimes when we struggle with giving, especially in the church, it's just an opportunity for a check engine light to come on in our heart and say, why would I struggle with that? Is there something that's got a hold of me? Is there something that I don't, you know, I, I got to deal with this? Well, maybe you're not complaining, but you're not in, but you'd like to know like, okay, if I'm not in, how do I go all in? And I want to invite you into this whole thought that this has been more than a series, more than a season. It is a season of accelerated vision initiatives, accelerated vision initiatives. And it starts, it starts with the idea of multiplying leaders. Multiplying leaders is a huge piece of the vision God has given us. You can't have great churches without great leaders. And so we are, we are uh, working behind the scenes for our leadership residency that will uh, get young people and even those that are interested. You've gone into a career field, but, but what we've seen even in our own staff that people that have been on a career field, in a career choice, moving down that, that God has stirred their heart and now they're on our team because God's called them to be a part. And we want to create those leadership residencies, but also holistic care for pastors that are already in ministry, but maybe they get burned out or maybe they had a failure. We want to help restore those pastors. We want to see our leadership development in our communities. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. And, and you as a leader of your home, a leader of your house, a leader of self, the number one person you need to learn how to lead is you. Ugh. Before you can learn to lead somebody else, you need to learn to lead you. Here we've got professional coaching and counseling. That's all part of development of leaders. So many cool things going on with that. Our campus pastors, as we announced last week, we have a new campus pastors at Nacogdoches with Marco and Jenny Johnson. And right here, if you weren't with us, we got to celebrate our new campus pastors on this campus with uh, Justin and Whitney Lindsay and, uh, and Dan and Laura Chinowski, who have been the campus pastors of NAC, but are stepping into more of a leadership role to help us launch new locations as launch pastors. So let's just celebrate and give it up for all those campus pastors. Exciting what God is doing. But we, we have leaders so that we can build more locations, more community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And that whole idea of locations is critical from prison venues in all of our 
uh, areas. We want to see prison venues launched every time. We have obviously the practical needs of staffing and utilities uh, that, that go along with each campus and each ministry. We have church plants outside of Timber Creek that we are supporting and church pastors that are planting churches that we are giving them the training and giving them the family they need because many church planters will go into a place and they are parachuting in. They don't know what's going on. They don't have a mother church to kind of mother them along and Right, right now, right now, we are personally helping eight churches that are in tra uh, transition of development. That's pretty cool, yeah. On top of that, we helped resource 15 other church plants last year alone by giving them the tools and the development, stuff that we, we create from teaching and notes and sermon series. We, give, we get to give all that away for free to all these church planters that we otherwise wouldn't have those resources. You can clap at that too. I think that's pretty cool. And a practical side of that, you still got operations and mortgage costs. You got the, the leveraging of not only our, our new locations that we're doing, but our existing locations. And I'm kind of excited about uh, showing you some stuff when it comes to our multiplying locations. Let me kind of show you that here is Timber Creek Knack Campus there in the Northview Plaza. And we have secured 5,000 square feet over here right next to it of additional ministry space that we're gonna be able to add some new rooms and some new training places, some offices. We have one office, it's like an eight by eight. It's got a copy machine and a little desk in there. And as that team expands, we're expanding there, but also it's gonna be a great place for community de development and leadership uh, development. That's really exciting. Here's the Groves campus, and this is a gift of the church that uh, a pastor, Pastor Steve Grown, and that church said, hey, it's time to pass the baton, and we have taken this campus, and we're meeting right now with the beautiful people in, in Groves. They are our launch team, and in the fall, in September, we will be launching full swing our services there. In the meantime, we're going to be freshening this campus up. We're going to be doing some paint some brick in interior, we'll keep going. Uh, kids and adult environments need updating. The lobby space, the kids area needs to be reconfigured so it can be a safe and secure. We want our kids to learn about Jesus, but also be safe in there. And, and, and so we, we care about those little things. And why do we care about like our, our buildings? Well, God wanted a temple. God wanted us to build a temple for him in the Old Testament. And even though our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he also has gathering places for us. And this is the, the Herod's temple. This is the design of the temple uh, back uh, in the early days. This is the area for worship where they would worship together. But then the rest of this in pink was the area for community gathering where people, iron would sharpen iron, where, where the community would gather together over the size of 20 football fields of just gathering community space. This is a bird's eye view of our Lufkin location. Now listen, every location we have has unique nuances and unique opportunities. The Lufkin location with 25 acres has a unique opportunity for us to leverage 25 acres. We're going to leverage what we have at the Nat campus and at the Groves campus and every other campus that God puts in our lap and God sends our way and the doors that he opens. But this is, is a, a, a new 
this is, a, this is a new responsibility for us to make sure that we're leveraging well the 25 acres that God has given us. And right now, we're only using about nine of the acres. You'll see that, that, that over here is an additional uh, 11 acres that we're, going, we're master planning right now. So I'm gonna now flip to what this campus is going to look like in the future. It's gonna take us a few phases, but this is gonna be the new Lufkin location. We're going to uh, add additional kids space and the student center that is now for youth will actually become more kids space as we grow this way. We're going to be able to add all kinds of additional parking here, over 300 additional spots of parking. How many of you know you can't really go to church if you can't park your car? And uh, we're gonna have our, our pickleball courts and sand volleyball and some basketball and a park area. There'll, there's gonna be a, a, a track around all of this that you can walk. It's gonna be lit uh, at, at night. It's gonna be lit. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's gonna be lit at night. And, and during the day, moms in their strollers and dads in their strollers and whatever, uh, you're gonna be able to... to hang out here. And again, it's that community space. Here's another, uh, as you're driving along the loop, this is the front of the building. This is what uh, the front of the building will end up looking like. Uh, we're going to create the chapel will be more of like an outdoor uh, chapel. We're going to be able to open it up and it will actually open into a outdoor baptistry so we can celebrate baptisms on the lawn and, and just awesome stuff. Here, here's a, another view as you're driving down. You can clap that. That's good, that's cool. And here's another view on this side. Uh, uh, let me now change it to, to what it will look like. This is gonna be the entrance of a new worship center. As we take the student center and make it more kids space, at some point this auditorium will become more student center space. And we're, we have plans to build a 2,500 seat auditorium that will be behind that big wall. That's a 200 foot long lobby, 40 foot wide. It's like being in the Galleria. But hey, we're gonna, we're gonna create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And we wanna be a good steward of this campus as, as well. So that's multiply locations, multiply leaders. You know what, let's celebrate what God is doing. Like there's some cool stuff. Make no mistake, does all that happen at once? No, it's gonna have to be in phases and we cannot outpace the generosity of God's people. But I can promise you, God has given us way more vision, way more vision than we have the capacity for in ourselves. That's why God wants to show up in the middle of our generosity. He just does. Finally, we wanna see double kingdom impact. We wanna see God take uh, our hungry children and clean water initiatives across the globe and we continue to give to that. We are helping with Project Rescue human trafficking. We have over 200 women and their children that we have helped give education to and break the cycle of generational sl sex slavery. Uh, we're, we're helping with that. Uh, we have our orphans and widows, James 1.27. The purest religion is that you would take care of the orphans and the widows and some of those have to do with just helping with our benevolence issues of, of those that have needs, but also um, those that are overlooked and forgotten. Uh, not only legitimate foster care stuff, but also those that, that have just been kind of overlooked. We have our uh, unreached people groups. When you give into All In, not only are we multiplying leaders and multiplying locations, we are helping translate the Bible in languages that has never been translated in so that we can reach people who've never been reached. It's one thing to hear 
Jesus in your heart language, like if you speak English to hear the story in the language that you speak, there's something powerful about being able to translate the powerful word of God into the language that people speak so they can find and follow Jesus. Disaster relief and, 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 and outreaches, all of this all comes together. This is all in. And so when you give, you're giving to all these things, all of this stuff. All of this, all of these initiatives go into the one big bucket. Traditionally, churches would um, give you like 74 things to give and receive 74 offerings. You know how it is. Like, uh, we're going to take it up. We didn't get enough this morning. We're going to take it up again. And, uh, and the good news is all of this, all of this right here, as, as we go all in, it's not just to brick and mortar, it's to the ministry that God has. Now, that's, now I, as I've stacked this up, I realize I've made a mistake because I know this is going to fall over as soon as I let it go. So I'm just giving you the, the word picture. Everybody makes sense to everybody? Okay. And later on today, at the end of this message, you're going to have an opportunity to reaffirm your commitment that you made last year, to make a commitment. You're also going to have an opportunity to just think about it. Nobody's twisting anybody's arm. But we do want to invite you to be... To be obedient to Jesus. When he invites you to, to participate, what might he have you do? Ultimately, that's that double kingdom impact. And that double kingdom impact is see our two bags of gold become five bags of gold, not in money in the bank, but souls in heaven. We said it over this entire series. God sets the vision. This isn't Jeremy's vision. This is God's vision. But the people of God, we set the velocity with our generosity. So you even heard in video announcements today, this requires us to pray like never before. We gotta pray. The enemy wants to come in like a flood. The enemy wants to stop what the church is doing. We wanna pray to have open hearts and open minds, open hands. We wanna engage like never before, where we're not only just praying about it, but we're doing something about it. In our seats today, you, can, you will have seen two invites. That represents two invites you can make, and those can be left in your seat, but will you just put them in your pocket and throw them in your floor instead of this floor today? We just do that? Just put it in your floorboard of your car instead of the floorboard of the worship center? That would be most helpful. But secondly, they don't do anything on your floorboard, but they have the capacity to unlock the door of somebody finding and following Jesus. It's a simple invite. Just engage like never before. Take it. Look, look, look. Jesus, like, I don't know, died on the cross. You can invite someone to Easter. You can invite someone to Easter. You want to go to church with me? No, nah, church ain't my thing. No, nobody's like been getting in a headlock and said, oh, no, I'm going to beat you up now because you invited me to church. Like, come on, everybody. It's a simple invite. Also in our seats, you'll notice the all-in commitment card. And at the end of today's message, we're going to grab that and we're going to pray over it and see what God might do, which requires us to consider giving like never before. Now take your worship guide notes And I wanna, wanna just offer a few thoughts to you. We're gonna connect Palm Sunday to All In Sunday. Here's the first thought. Behind every behavior is a belief. Behind every single behavior is a belief. 
because my behavior and my belief, it all really comes down to the idea of Proverbs 23, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As I think about something, it sets off a chain reaction of the way I feel and the way I act. So these ideas of think, feel, act, the way I think affects the way I feel, the way I feel affects the way I act, the way I act really becomes my character, my conduct, and my convictions. And so look, when we say, hey, pray like never before, if that's the act, we gotta pray like never before. But if we're thinking in our hearts that God is mad at me, it makes us feel like afraid to pray because he's mad and I don't know if he even wants to hear me pray. Well, it's gonna be really hard to pray like never before, isn't it? Because every, every behavior starts with a belief. Let's look at this. If he's the perfect father and I don't have to hide from him, Okay, I can feel accepted and valued and, and I know that he is not, he's not saying, what do you want? But he said, oh, what do you want? Then guess what I can do? I can pray like never before. If my action is to engage like never before, but I think, well, I don't wanna be rejected by engaging or I, I'm gonna feel intimidated to engage people that are far from God or in, intimidated to engage my church. It's a big church. Where am I gonna fit in? How can I be a part of a dream team? Am I gonna be accepted and valued and, and loved? Well, that's gonna be hard to engage like never before. If I think someone else is gonna do it, they've got plenty of those things covered and you feel like, well, I'm off the hook, it's gonna be really hard for you to engage like never before. But if we start with our thinking, and Jesus is worth knowing and he has empowered me and I can know that people's lives are vastly better with Jesus in their lives, guess what I can more quickly do? <laughs> I can engage like never before. When it comes to this idea of give like never before. When we talk about giving like never before, we could think, ah, oh, I have to take care of me first. I am my provider. I am Jehovah Jeremy. <laughs> Instead of Jehovah Jireh. I'm Jehovah Jeremy. I have to take care of me. I'm my provider. I'm gonna feel like I gotta be protective and afraid and hard to trust others and, and, and hedge my bets. And whenever the pastor starts talking about money, things get a little weird in the auditorium and somebody approaches the stage and says, get your finances out my mouth. And, and of course, it's gonna be hard for you to give like never before if that's you and me. But if I can think, hey, my provider and protector is the God of the cosmos. I'm his child. That means I'm an heir to the throne. I, you know what I can feel? I can feel safe and secure. That no matter, like even if I get, I know somebody's got my back. So dad, dad's got this. God's got this. Then I know that I can give like never before. So I just want to offer you some questions today, just to consider. Like we're not even, we're not, we're not passing an offering plate today. We're going to have some of these buckets uh, placed across our campuses. And at the end of today's service, we're going to pray and we're going to worship together. And we're going to have an opportunity just to drop our commitment cards, whether you're just reaffirming or you're making new, or we're going to be able to drop those. And that's a part of our act of worship today. But, but like, as we go through, I just want to, ask you a few questions. The first is this. As the author of my life, is God the final authority of my life? Because if you're the author, you have the final authority. 
As the author, you get to choose the way the story goes. But if he's the author, shouldn't he be able to choose? Does he have the final authority of my life? Here's another question. As the creator of everything, is God entitled to anything in my life? Oh yeah, he's entitled to this, this, and that. But, oh Lord, there was this old song back in kids' church that uh, we used to sing when I was like five or six years old. It says, oh Lord, I give you everything. I give you everything but these. And I am doing this off the cuff. I don't even know if I'm gonna remember. My 501s, you know how old it was when that was, that's how it started. My 501s and my new blue sweater. My Ray-Ban shades and my old love letters. My stereo with the 1,000-watt speakers. I don't even know if 1,000 watts is a lot anymore. Uh, my Reebok shoes. Wait, wait. My, my Reebok sneakers. My pizza party and my private life. My driver's license and everything nice. Like, oh, Lord, I give you everything but these. <laughs> like, I want everything to give you but, but those stuff. I wonder if, is he entitled to anything he asks of it? Check this question out. Or check this statement out. The Lord has need of it. The guy who turns water into wine, the, the guy who walks on water, the guy who raises the dead has need of anything. What? He owns it all. Why would he even need my little bitty insignificant donkey? Jesus absolutely empties himself of everything. And the way he fulfills prophecy, the way he fulfills truly being the Messiah, is he offers us a part of that story. You see, the Messiah, 1,700 years earlier, it had been written, it had been told that when the Messiah comes, he would be coming in on a colt into Jerusalem and that people would say, Hosanna. Jesus don't own a cult. So in the divine partnership, he fulfills who he says he is. But it doesn't happen without a partnership. The Lord doesn't need it to be Lord, but the Lord does need it when he asks of it because he has a purpose behind it. Because he knows exactly what he's doing, how he's gonna do it, where he's gonna do it, why he's gonna do it. And he invites you to let him be God and not have to know all the details. So number one, what we're gonna learn on this Palm Sunday, number one, Jesus is entitled to borrow anything to advance his kingdom. He is entitled. If he wants to ask you of anything, he's entitled because he owns it. And if he wants to ask you, he says, I need it, then you pay attention and you follow through. I have need of it, then you say, yes, sir. I don't know how quickly I could be that way, even with my own children, with my own children. Dad, I need, I need, I need 50 bucks. What? Yeah. Graham has need of it. I, I, is Jesus entitled in your life to borrow anything to advance his kingdom? Because that's what he does. Even though he owns everything, he borrows a lot of stuff. You ever borrowed something and you found it in your garage? Like it's still in your garage right now? You're like, I need to give that back, but they're not asking for it. So like, I, I like to borrow stuff. I've had people borrow stuff from me that I borrowed from someone else. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is, it is what it is. I like borrowing things. 
but I don't like get, I don't necessarily, I like borrowing things. I don't necessarily like borrowing, uh, giving out things though. It's like, well, when am I going to get that back? Am I going to get that back? When am I going to call you? Are you going to, you know, Jesus is entitled to borrow anything to advance his kingdom. Consider these. Jesus borrowed a womb to bring good news of great joy. Jesus borrowed a boat to use as a platform for preaching and calling to the disciples. Jesus borrowed a sack lunch from a kid to feed a multitude. Jesus borrowed dirt to bring sight to a blind man. Jesus borrowed an Airbnb to eat a final supper with his followers and wash their feet. Jesus borrowed a cross, meant for me. It's not an accident that he's between two thieves and that Barabbas goes free. He borrowed Barabbas' cross. He borrowed the one who deserved the cross to be stuck between his two cronies and Jesus borrows the cross in symbolism that that cross was meant for me. The Lord has need of it. Here's what's great that we get to celebrate next Sunday. Jesus borrowed a grave. He's the only person in human history that actually gave a grave back. <sighs> that was someone else's grave to begin with other than Lazarus, but Lazarus had his own grave. This is somebody else. This is Joseph's grave. He gives the grave back. He borrowed a grave to let us know that the same power that raises us from the, from the dead is available to you and to me. And today we just, we just learned that Jesus borrows a donkey. He borrows a colt. And the reason he does is to fulfill prophecy and enter triumphantly. So here's another question, write it down. What might Jesus want to borrow from me? If I give my kids 10 Oreos and I ask for one Oreo back, dad hath need of it. <laughs> How many of you, when your kids say, oh, these are my Oreos, you'd be like, oh, I'm all, now, maybe I don't just want one, maybe I want nine. How about you keep one? Oh, okay, 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 okay. And yet that's how we kind of get greedy with God. 10 Oreos, would you just give me one? I gave you the Oreos in the first place. Can I have one back? I need that. I wanna advance my kingdom. I'm gonna do it in a triumphant way. I'm gonna do it in a beautiful way. I'm gonna do it in a divine partnership so that I get be given glory and you are built in more, you're building in more trust and together this is an incredible partnership of the dirt and the divine and I have need of this because we're showing the world this good news. What might Jesus want to borrow from me? Oh, let me ask you this. Does Jesus have to explain himself to me just to simply borrow what doesn't even belong to me? Like how much are you crossed arms with Jesus saying, oh, I don't know about all that. I don't know. Yeah, Jesus is going to have to make it a little bit more clear to me. The son of the living God of the cosmos has to come in like an 11-year-old kid and explain himself to you. Somebody's acting like God in that picture. And somebody is actually God in that picture. God never asked me to give what I don't have. 
He doesn't, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't send two disciples into a neighborhood, Bethphage, a suburb of Bethany, to go ask a guy to give a donkey that he doesn't got. So, so he's not asking you to give what you don't got. But he may ask me to give what I don't want to release. Now, can you imagine? Do you understand this whole story of, of the donkey that like, a donkey sounds so simple to us in East Texas or South Texas. Like it sounds simple, but I want you to understand like this is a, this is a work, this, this is a, a work truck. Okay. This is a, this is a tool for the job, a donkey and it's a brand new one. So let's, let's kind of situate it into 2023 here and just know that Jesus says, Hey, I'm going to be going into a parade into Jerusalem I'm looking for a pickup truck that I can stand in the back, hold onto the bar, and I can wave. I, I, I need a truck. I have need of it. First commercial I ever heard when I moved to East Texas 17 years ago was Southern Chrysler Dodge Jeep, our kids director at Lufkin. I later found out it was actually her voice on the commercial. I plugged in my new TV that I got from Sam's Club, started watching, and Southern Chrysler Dodge Jeep came up. And, and it, was a, it was a voice, it was like, I, 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 I want a truck right now. I, I want a truck right now. <laughs> and I was going through a, a conversation with, uh, we'll call her Megan Campbell, because that's her name. <laughs> and I said, I said to her, I said, when I first got in here, it was a commercial from, you know, uh, from Southern Chrysler Dodge Jeep. And, and uh, it was just, I want a truck right now. And she goes, that was me, that was me. <laughs> so every once in a while, I'll just bust into her office. I want a truck right now. Well, Jesus says, I, 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 I want a truck right now. And this ain't no, this isn't just, it isn't the used one that's kind of barely holding together in the third bay of the garage. He wants the brand new one. How do we know the donkey's brand new? It had never been ridden. It was, it was special. This is a four by four, four door, cherry red lift kit, 50 inch tire, quadraphonic sound GPS, 94 inch LED touch screen with the KC lights on top, Dodge Ram. With a big old flip antenna with a tennis ball on top. A sticker from the 90s that says no fear. An NRA bumper sticker and a gun rack in the back window. He says, you turn down two rights and go one left, you're gonna, you're gonna find seven of those in East Texas, all right? He says, you go find that truck. Now here's the deal, that's what I need. They're like, oh, you do? And he says, yeah, that's, what, that's the truck I need, and I need it, I have need of it. Okay, well, what do we say to him? Well, if they ask you anything, you don't even have to ask, just go in there, here's a screwdriver, pop off the top of the, just pop off the top of the steering wheel and just hotwire the sucker. If someone asks you, what are you doing with my truck? You just say, the Lord has need of it. <laughs> so can you imagine these two disciples finding the place, they go to the cul-de-sac and they see, sure enough, I mean, it, it's, the, 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 the driveway is still wet and there's soap uh, trickling down into the gutter because the owner of this brand new truck has just washed it by hand in his driveway. They walk up and say, this is it. I know it's even got the, it's got the sticker. 
There's not even, it's still got dealer plates on the back. What is it going? This is the, yeah. Now, can you imagine the owner sitting back on his porch up a ways from the driveway, sitting with a friend and the friend goes, those two boys getting close to your truck over there. He's like, well, they look like little associate pastors. They, they, probably, never, they probably never seen something that nice before anyway. Let them, let them look, let them look. And sure enough, these two disciples are looking and his friend takes a sip of coffee and says, he just opened your driver's door. He said, well, they probably haven't seen those, that brand new model. Just looking at the leather, I mean, it's, it's pretty nice. Does that guy have a, does one of those guys have a screwdriver in, in his hand? I'm not for sure. And all of a sudden you're, I think they're about ready to steal your Dodge Ram. So the owner kind of pops up off the rocking chair on the front porch and kind of, you know, pulls out his uh, concealed carry. And uh, he said, boys, what's going on? And I can see on the passenger side, Peter rolls, no, no, it doesn't roll. It it pushes the button, but it's only halfway. It's like, The, the Lord has need of it. And before they could even blink, before they even come up with an escape plan, the owner steps back and says, oh, that's all you needed to say. (laughs) That's all you needed to say. Number two, whatever Jesus invites you to do, just say okay and obey. Whatever he invites of you, whatever he invites from you, just say okay and obey. You can trust him. Number three, generosity doesn't start from scratch. You and I are more driven towards selfishness than we are generosity. We are driven towards selfishness than we are sacrifice. It is in our DNA to say mine more than it is for us to say his, God's, yours. It's just in us. We are born selfish, but we are born again generous. Generosity doesn't start from scratch but it always follows being saved. It, it, it always follows being saved. Here's what's interesting about the triumphal entry. Here's what's interesting about Bethany and Bethphage. Never in the Gospels had Jesus asked anybody of anything without a relationship. So we know that Jesus isn't just showing up to people's driveways, hijacking their Dodge Rams. Okay? There is something in this person that allows them to be generous. And there's something within this owner of this Dodge Ram that that, that obviously when the Lord has need of something, we don't know who they are. We will never know their name. But as you look through the scripture, the only other time that Jesus is in that same vicinity 
is a few weeks earlier when a blind man is crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus asked this blind man a very interesting question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Give me sight. Would you just give me sight? He says, ah, oh, your faith has made you whole. And he whew, gives him his sight. And do you know what happens? This blind, begging man can see. And you know what his response is? He gets up and he starts worshiping. He gets up and he, act, he becomes so generous with his worship. What do you want me to do for you? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But could it be somebody like that blind man? Somebody like a demoniac who was lost and mute and just, 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 just oppressed with so much mental and spiritual that a guy like that or a guy like a blind man that is healed and whole and can see again and can live again and can talk again. It would be just like Jesus for someone to ask for healing and they say, what can I ever do to repay you, Jesus? Well, I mean, I can see, what can I ever do? You ask me, what do you want me to do? And you did it, oh God, what can I do for you? And I can just see Jesus saying, hey, in the future, could you just be open? If I need something, just like you needed something, would you just be willing to meet me like I met you? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. That's what I have needed in my life. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus, I want you to be my savior and give me a fresh start and take away this burden of trying to have to be who I'm supposed to be and let you be who you are in me and let that be enough. And he has done that for me. And so when that same Lord that has done so much for me says, hey, I have need of it. I wanna be quick to respond. Listen, if I'm saved but I'm not a giver, something's broken, everybody. When Zacchaeus finds salvation, he gives. When the blind man finds sight, he gives worship. When the disciples get a catch, when they receive salvation from their bankrupt night of fishing, they respond in bowed knees and humble followership. If I'm saved and I'm not giving, something's out of order, something's broken. Hmm. As I wrap up today, the Apostle Paul the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church of Corinth. And listen to this story he's telling about another church. And, 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 and go back, go back one. I don't want to read ahead. Go back. Okay. I wonder what it would take for, for an Apostle Paul to speak like this about Timber Creek Church. I, I would love for us to be known as the church that is irrationally generous. I'm not talking about just giving and offerings. I'm just talking about you just being 
a timber creaker that's irrationally generous. What might that do? Generosity is an evangelism that nobody can argue with. They can argue your theological beliefs. They can argue what you should or shouldn't wear to church or what you should or shouldn't sing. It's really difficult to argue a generous heart for people and the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul says it like this. And now, brothers and sisters, I want you to know about the grace that God has given those Timber Creek churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They didn't have a whole bunch, but the joy of the Lord was their strength and it welled up in a physical response of generosity. I'm testifying to you. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege Pastor, can we receive another offering? I mean, that would like after I got up from passing out. <laughs> privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They said, we want to be a part of expanding the gospel to other people, the Macedonian church said. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, number one, first to the Lord. You'll never understand giving until you give first yourself to the Lord. And then by the will of God, they also gave themselves to us. And here's how he wraps it up. So since you, Corinth, since you excel in everything, and maybe this is you and maybe this is me, in faith, maybe you excel in faith or in speech or in knowledge or in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you. Maybe you excel in all those. You love your neighbor. You are growing in Christ-like character. You are part of a small group. You're leading a small group. You are able to share your faith. You have excelled in these things, and I'm so proud of you as your pastor, and you ought to be excited about what God is excelling in you to expand his kingdom of God. But Paul says, you've excelled in all this. See that you also excel in the grace of giving. I, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And who does he compare it to? Now he tells the Corinth church, I'm not comparing you to Macedonia. Okay. Here's who I'm comparing you to. Because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, guess what he did? For your sake, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Wow. So I'm gonna offer you a bold prayer today. We pray over a lot of things. We pray over a lot of things. We pray for the gifts of the Spirit that are readily available for those that follow Jesus. But I wanna invite us to pray a bold prayer together. What would it look like for you to get the gift, a supernatural gift of giving? A supernatural gift of giving. That's a bold prayer. And if you're afraid to pray the prayer, it could be a check engine heart because that could mean, but what would I lose? Oh, but what would you gain? 
If you would like to receive the spiritual gift of giving, I wanna pray that over you. All of our locations, we just close your eyes. Right now, Father, we're praying a bold prayer. We've excelled in faith, we've excelled in speech, we've excelled in this and that and the other in our earnestness. And now, God, I'm, I am praying that for those that are desiring to excel in the gift of giving, it is not a natural thing, it is a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural gift that can only come from you because we are hardwired in our flesh to get, 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 get. But you rewire us by transforming the way we think by changing our heart from the inside out to be emboldened by you, empowered by you. I pray for the gift of giving on this church. I pray for the gift of giving on these families. I pray that you would let us live unafraid, open-palmed, irrationally generous lives to show the world an irrationally generous Jesus. I ask it in Jesus' name. Here's somebody who's been generous, has been praying for the gift of giving. Take a look at this video. In 2020, we had uh, three miscarriages, and um, through that, you know, it's it's uh, difficult to see how there can be so much pain, but still be so much goodness of a God. You know, how how do those two things coexist at the same time? Um, and how do you, how do you trust? How, how am I going through these hard times? You know, how, how am I struggling in my day to day? Um, how is there still a good God? I think that also goes with all in, you know, when I started working at 16, um, you know, I was, giving consistently and then real life hit when um, you know I went out on my own and real bills hit and I wasn't just paying you know my gas and and things like that I felt like well I need to take care of myself first and then I'll give what I can my husband and I were um, you know working our jobs um, and living a very comfortable life but really we wanted more out of life and we knew that there was more for us in life and we knew that we had more to offer he wants to show us what he will do the challenge isn't a challenge for him, right? It's a challenge for us to step out. We just decided that um, in every financial aspect of our life, we were gonna put God first. And it was almost like we were um, creating a new relationship with our family. But it was really exciting to go hand in hand with my husband up to the front 
and know like, okay, we're, we're joining in this commitment together. strange to to think about the fact that like I guess my commitment and something that's changing my family um, like something within my household is literally going to go change the lives of people that I've never met so to the person who's hesitant about going all in I would say that uh, trust God for the season step out take the next step and see what God can do in your life. Give God the opportunity to work in, in your life. Can you thank Emily for her candor and kind words? It's amazing for me to think that our, our family, by what we're doing, can reach families we've never met, and that's part of what All In is all about. And so, not only are we saying, God, please give me the gift of giving, but what about a bold action today? How do we step out in that? Well, going all in to accelerate the velocity of God's vision, it starts with something. So if we're really gonna accelerate, like ramp it up and like we're gonna get this thing going, it actually starts with all of us slowing down, which is so counterintuitive. It's not about speeding up and hurrying up. It's actually about slowing down. Let me give you the final thoughts here. Just fill in those blanks. It always starts with surrender. Yet again, can you place your life and everything in your life and everything in your hands and everything out of your hands? Can you surrender that back to the Lord again? To the Lordship of God. Say everything I have is yours, whether it's the brand new donkey, whether it's my children, whether it's the, the health report, I surrender all this to you. And then when you surrender, it's important that you listen. God, you've got my attention, I'm listening to you. What do you have need of? And then just simply listen to what God says. Don't, don't be motivated by a sermon, be motivated by the Spirit of God in this place. That a sermon is just meant to guide you into what the Holy Spirit is inviting you into. And then when you surrender and you listen, I believe God, he can speak more clearly to you than I ever could. And so whatever God says on your journey of giving, maybe it's stepping out and starting to give for the first time consistently every week. Or if you're paid every month, every month. Or if you're paid every other week, it's every other, whatever that looks like for you. Like listen and obey. Like obey what God says. And this is where I'm gonna invite you to take the card in your hand. It's on every seat. Just put it in your hand. And I'm gonna ask every single person in the next few moments at the Groves campus, Nacogdoches campus, and the Lufkin campus, we're going to fill these out and we're going to place them in large all-in buckets that are situated across our campuses, okay? And here's what we would do. On the front, you would simply fill out your name and you're engaging the giving journey. This is a year anniversary, it's a two-year process, so you may have already done it, just kind of reaffirm that if that's you. And you are either 
because you're new or maybe you've never tried putting God to the test in this, you would put new commitment and then that blank would be what you would commit or, or have a goal with God's help that over the next 12 months you would give in that 12 month period. Now you may write it down this much weekly or this much annually or this much, whatever that is. Why do we do that? Well, it's, it's more for you than it is for us. It's more for you stepping out in faith and making it plain to God, but it also helps us prepare to consider the cost of a field before buying it on where we are and where we're anticipating going. And if that commitment needs to go down over time or go up over time, that's between you and Jesus, okay? That's, that's just between you and Jesus. You would say, I'm gonna increase my commitment if you're feeling God's calling you to do something different. Maybe you started last year consistent giver, but you wanna move into the tithe giver. Wow, I just, I can't wait to see what God does. Whatever that looks like for you. Or if it's simply I'm affirming the commitment I've already made, you just check that and, and that just helps us know where we're headed for the future. So those, those last pieces right there, go ahead and take the card and I'm gonna sit quietly just for about 30 seconds, and then I'm gonna have you stand. I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna have you stand, okay? 30 seconds. I'm gonna have you stand and I'm gonna pray over you now. All locations. We don't know his name. We don't know her name. But the owner of the donkey was a critical part of the triumphal entry. That gift propelled the vision of Jesus forward in the right place at the right time in the right way. And that's what I'm believing for all of us today as well. Father God in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And because you are who you say you are and because of that, would you give us this day our daily bread? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And if that's who you really are, I can trust you with everything. And maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time beyond an all-in card, I'm placing myself in the bucket. I'm going all in too, God with my heart and my emotions and my actions and my gifts. Yes, and my finances. I'm all in, Jesus. You have need, come knock on my door. I wanna be faithful. In Jesus' name we pray.